0: Thanks so much for tuning in to the Mooney Ponds Baptist Church podcast. Here we upload our weekly teachings that happen every Sunday at our 10 a.m. service. If we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out to us. And check out our website at mpbc.org.au First Samuel chapter 16
1: The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They said, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse said. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on... The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. Hi, friends.
0: As you can see, I'm uh, not with you this morning Um, in person. Our family's been uh, hit by COVID over the past week or so. Uh, But Like most things, they sort of never happen all at once. We've had it consecutively now. And it's just going through the family. But um, I think it's my turn now. So I thought I'd get this message to you before I uh, I head downhill. Um, But let's pray. Father, thanks for your goodness to us. We thank you uh, that you're with us all the time, even through our sicknesses, through our hard times. And Lord, we know that you're with us today, wherever we are, wherever we're watching this. Pray that you'd... uh, meet our needs, pray that we would feel you close and your comfort and your encouragement and the, and the movement of your spirit whispering to us how much you love us and directing and guiding us. So I pray that you'd help us today as we get, as we grapple with the, the story today, that you'd help us to become, uh, become um, better listeners to your voice. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, the film uh, The Internship starring Vince Vaughan and uh, Owen Wilson is, uh, is a favourite of mine and it's about two, two washed-up middle-aged salesmen, uh, Billy McMahon and uh, Nick Campbell. And they get this opportunity to compete with a bunch of young uh, candidates for a limited number of internships at Google, the, uh, the internet search engine company. And uh, you see, Billy and Nick... Uh, are the most unlikely candidates for getting an internship with Google. They're not tech savvy. They haven't studied computer science. uh, They don't even have any experience with the internet or even with computers. Uh, And in fact, they don't even know some of the basic terms that people use when talking about the internet. For example, Billy uh, when he talks about connecting to the internet, he says, uh, he talks about getting on the line (laughs) as opposed to getting online. Now, if you've missed that, then uh, perhaps you won't get a, a gig at Google either. But uh, for those of you who do know, you'll get the difference. All the other candidates are, uh, who are vying for these sort of uh, in- internships are, uh, are university graduates, and they, they're super confident with tech stuff. They believe that they will be chosen purely on their skills and their academic qualifications. Uh, But the movie goes on to show that it takes actually more uh, than um, good academic credentials and even tech savviness to get an internship with Google. It also takes something else, which in the film, they call Googliness. And Billy McMahon and uh, Nick Campbell eventually succeed in getting internships with Google because they have Googliness. They listen to people. They're personable. They're loyal. They're hardworking. They're... They're leaders, in a sense, in their own way. And uh, they also persevere in difficult situations. And it's these qualities that are actually thought to be secondary and even perhaps not even considered important by all the other candidates actually win them internships at Google. The internet, uh, the internship is a fun movie and it challenges the idea uh, that people are are chosen for jobs purely on external qualities on skills on academic performance but it also raises other questions about how we go about choosing things and making important decisions in life such as what course of what course of study we'll take or what uh, what career path to pursue what place or which place in the world will we live whom will we date whom will we marry and whether to stay in a job or leave it, and also how we can serve the Lord or how we will serve the Lord with our skills and talents. Often we use our own wisdom and intellect alone to guide us in many of these matters. This is good because we, we should use our intellect and, and our wisdom because they're given to us by God. Solomon says in Proverbs 2 6, For the Lord gives wisdom, and He does. But I want to suggest to you today that although we are meant to use all of our faculties and our intellect in decision making, human wisdom and intellect on their own are not enough for followers of Jesus to navigate this life because human wisdom and intellect are actually subject to our own self-interest, our egos, and also societal conditioning. But there's another reason why we shouldn't rely solely on our own intellect and wisdom for making important decisions in life. You see, you see, intellect and, and human wisdom actually offer no help when it comes to deciding about important things that that God calls us to do. That just don't register on any human index, whether that be financial or in terms of career development or even social standing index. In Scripture, people who are who do extraordinary things are not actually extraordinary people, are people who listen to the voice of God and who obey, even when doing so, doesn't add up. Proverbs 3.6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Following God's path in life can be easier said than done. I know this because I've made my fair share of, uh, of mistakes and have allowed myself to be guided at times by my own ego, by self-interest, and by society. And perhaps you can also recognise that you've done that yourself. In life, we're required to make decisions all of the time, aren't we? These range from choosing subjects and courses at school or uni, to careers that we pursue, to the people we date or marry, the houses we rent or buy, the schools we send our children to, to the way we use our time, energy, and money and how we use the talents, skills, and gifts that God has given to us. We need to make decisions about all of those things constantly. How we go about making decisions, though, is important if we want to be kingdom people who are following Jesus with our lives. The fact is that God wants us to to use all of our faculties in decision-making, our wisdom, intellect, and skills but he doesn't want us to rely solely on these as they're not enough. Instead, we are to be people who listen to the Spirit of God and, and uh, who allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit. After Samuel learned uh, to be sensitive to the Lord's voice, he became the prophet of Israel. And uh, he was responsible for listening to God and speaking on behalf of God to, to the king, but also to the people about God's plans and, and God's directions for them. Samuel was actually the prophet when Saul was made king. He was given the job of actually anointing him. But as we know, Saul turned out to be a pretty disastrous king, didn't he? This wasn't because Samuel anointed the wrong guy. It was because Saul didn't obey the voice of the Lord and he went astray, as I spoke about a couple of weeks ago. After it was established that Saul was not going to repent or change, God announced that he was going to select another person to be king. And so Samuel was given the task of anointing the person that God selected, which is where we pick up the story today in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel. Anointing the next king was was a hard task for for Samuel to do because, you see, King Saul was actually still alive. And uh, so he feared him actually finding out that he'd anointed someone else in his place. Can you imagine? <laughs> Saul was also shy, I think, about anointing another king because, you know, he'd previously anointed, anointed uh, a guy who turned out to be a real dud. So I imagine that was sort of hanging over him. But the Lord was really generous to Samuel, as he is to us when, we, when we're when we struggling to uh, perhaps understand what we're meant to do. And so he showed him how to do this, how to actually anoint another person without tipping Saul off. And so God told him actually to go to Bethlehem and offer some sacrifices there, which was part of his normal job. And while he was there, he was to anoint the person whom the Lord would show him at the same time. You might wonder, well, if the Lord was going to all that trouble in giving him a way to undertake the mission, why didn't he just cut to the chase and tell him the name of the person that he was, uh, that he was, that he was meant to anoint? Wouldn't that sort of make it a lot easier? It's hard to understand the ways of God sometimes, isn't it? But a common way that God works in Scripture, which I've experienced myself in my own life, is that He reveals just enough for the person to take the next step. I was reflecting on my own life uh, the other day with a friend of mine, and uh, we were both reflecting on our journeys so far. and Neither of us had ever envisioned ourselves doing what we're doing now or even going on the paths that led us to the places we're at now in our, in our life and ministry. When I left school, I had no intention of going to Africa, no intention of being a pastor in the, uh, in the inner west of Melbourne. If someone had told me, the guy who left school at the beginning of year 12 to become an electrician, that I would actually go to Africa, I'd learn, a, uh, to, learn to speak an African language, and I'd actually write a grammar book in that language and two dictionaries in it, and do research on the people's culture to help our intercultural workers understand more, (laughs) I would have thought that, that they were crazy. Or I probably might have even thought, this guy's having a go at me, he's mocking me, surely. I mean, for most of my life, I've been a notoriously bad speller, or poor speller. You see, I'm not even good at grammar. Uh, isn't isn't that a bit of a joke in itself? It sounds like the beginning of one, doesn't it? You you hear? Did you hear about the guy from Adelaide who couldn't spell who wrote the dictionary? <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't want to finish off the punchline. But if 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 God had told me though to go to Africa and do X, Y, and Z when I was seventeen or eighteen years of age, I wouldn't have gone. I would have laughed and I would have refused, given my given my understanding of myself at that time. But God is notorious for doing the impossible and giving people just enough information for that moment in time to help that person make the necessary steps needed in his plan. And perhaps that's what where you're at today in your own life. Maybe there's some steps that God is encouraging you to make that you need to, need to follow through on. In 1 Samuel 16, the Lord speaks to Samuel and tells him what he wants him to do. We're not to- told how the Lord spoke to Samuel, but given that when-, when the Lord spoke to him when he was young, when he was a boy in an inaudible voice, in other words, a voice that you couldn't hear, we often assume that it was probably a similar way that, the- that God was communicating. <clears throat> however, however, the communication was most likely spirit to spirit God's spirit to the human spirit in fact in Romans eight sixteen, Paul says the spirit testifies with our spirit that's the Holy Spirit so there's this there's this communication going on that God can do with us to stir our hearts to quicken our hearts and this is the way that uh, that I've often heard the Lord speak uh, to me in my life an idea will come into my mind about something and as I meditate on it and pray about it I I discern, I, I actually get a bit excited. I, I feel, a sense, uh, either that it's from the Lord or it's not. Sometimes the Holy Spirit might uh, give instructions, as is, as is the case here in 1 Samuel 16. But God can also encourage us to do things that we feel inadequate to do, as he did with Peter the Apostle, uh, when he actually felt led to stand up in front of this great crowd of religious leaders on the day of Pentecost and and tell them about the Lordship of Jesus and the the coming of the Holy Spirit. That would have been a really scary and dangerous thing to do, but he could do it because he felt confident that that the God had spoken him and told him to do that. There are many different ways that the Lord speaks to people, and uh, often we think that it's actually only through Scripture, through the Bible, that God speaks. But in Scripture, we read that God communicated uh, with people through angels, Spirit to spirit, as I've already mentioned. Uh, He gives people a desire also to do something. God can do that. He can also speak through the opening and closing of doors to different things and through dreams and through other people's words to us. And he can also speak and does speak to us through pain. In Samuel's case, it was actually pain that I believe opened him up to hear the, hear, hear God's voice at this time. The pain of Saul's failure had impacted Samuel, and it was during this period of grieving that the Lord, uh, that the Lord who, who um, that the Lord spoke to him and told him to go and anoint uh, another king in his place. And, and sometimes pain can actually get us to listen, can't it? When we might not otherwise, or might not be willing to do so, when things are going fine. The pain of Saul's failure caused Samuel to reflect on the qualities of God's anointed servant, and it opened him up to listen and to hear the voice of the Lord. That was uh, that wasn't louder, but it was it was it was actually more clear uh, and beyond uh, and actually out out um, was beyond his own voice. Without pain, Samuel might have actually been less willing to to hear God's voice or to listen to God's voice. He might have just pushed ahead, more confident in his own ability to choose the next king when he was really only actually employed or or given the role to anoint the person that God showed him. It's by listening to the Lord's voice that people are most able to achieve His purposes. And there are countless stories in the Bible of people doing impossible things when they trusted uh, and listen to God instead of the, instead of just listening to their own limited uh, understanding of things. In the Old Testament, in, in two two Kings chapter seven, there's this story about um, about a siege in in uh, the city of Samaria. And uh, so this siege was so severe that it caused an extreme famine, uh, and it was it was so bad that some people even resorted to eating their children. But God was actually at work in the background in a way that no one could predict or even imagine at that time. You see, that very day that people are arguing uh, about eating each other's children, God uh, caused the siege army, the army surrounding the city, uh, to hear this sort of sound of an approaching army and it caused them to, to panic and flee. And so they left in so much haste that they just left everything behind, even the food. And uh, it just so happened that there were four lepers who they would have let into the city outside and they came across, uh, you know, this whole camp that was deserted. And instead of actually just keeping the food and things for themselves, they thought we should go and tell the people in the city. And they did. And uh, they notified the city and the, the city leaders. And in, and in one day, one single day, the entire situation of that city changed and the city was flooded with food. Can you imagine? No one else did. After God overcame Samuel's objections about uh, him going to Bethlehem, he went there with his cow to sacrifice, and he prepared to anoint the person that God uh, that God wanted to show him. And so God actually had given Samuel really clear instructions about who was doing what in this scenario. There was it was not ambiguous. God said, "I'm sending you to Bethlehem because I have chosen one of Jesse's sons to be the next king." Pretty clear, right? Then he says to Samuel, your job is to anoint the one that whom I indicate to be king. It's not rocket science. <laughs> God even repeated the process several times in, in the, to him uh, so that he would get the point. But it seems that even a trained listener like Samuel was overcome by his natural instincts. As soon as Jesse starts bringing in his sons for him to look at, Samuel suddenly switches role and starts starts trying to do God's job. He begins assessing and choosing according to his own criteria of what he thought would be the best characteristics of a king. To use a modern a psychological term, he was thin slicing, which is which is to quickly assess something according to your own preconceived ideas. And so this is a really great story because it shows that even prophets attempted to rely on their own understanding. God has given us intellect and wisdom and we're to use them. I don't expect uh, God to guide me uh, on what I buy at the supermarket, particularly when I'm in the cereal aisle or when I'm at the fridge picking yogurt. I listen to Wendy. But strangely enough, I always hear the voice of the Lord very strongly when I'm in the chocolate aisle. And maybe you do too. As Jesse's sons uh, come in one, one by one, Samuel takes a quick look at Eliab, the firstborn, and thinks, yep, too easy. This job is too easy. He looks like kingly material to me. Bang! But Samuel hadn't learned the lesson from Saul. You see, Saul is often referred to as the people's king because he was, he was the king that you and I would choose every time. You see, he looked like a king. In 1 Samuel 9 2, it says that Saul was handsome and that he was head and shoulders above the rest. You know, he's the sort of guy you see on Narnia. This is classic thing slicing. But God never looks down from heaven and says, Wow, that's a great physique. Hmm. Or, uh, Oh, wow great abs, or cool haircut, or great resume. God's standards are different because He doesn't look externally, but He looks internally at our hearts. In one sense, that's good news. Uh, Most of us have tried to measure up to the world's criteria, but few of us have actually succeeded. But in another sense, it's also problematic, isn't it? Because (laughs) our outward appearance might uh, not be, you know, might not be up to scratch. But, But if we're honest, our heart conditions are probably worse. We spend hours, don't we, caring for our bodies, decaying as they are, or on our resumes, trivial as they will be in eternity. But many of us never actually think about the qualities of our hearts. It's surprising to see Samuel makes such a rookie mistake again isn't it choosing a king from appearances but this is where the Lord speaks again to Samuel and he hears God's God in his spirit say that Eliab is not the not the guy is not the guy that God has chosen. God tells Samuel plainly do not consider his appearance or his height for I have rejected him. the Lord does not look at things that people look at. It's a great story. Because it shows that everyone else at that sort of at, at, at Jesse's house that day, everyone in the story, is actually thinking in the same way as Samuel. No, no one's sort of thinking really differently. You see, Jesse paraded seven of his sons in front of Samuel, and each one is rejected by God. No, no, no. <laughs> if I was Samuel, I would have been tempted to to choose one from that bunch, but Samuel didn't. He stuck to the program. Instead of just choosing the best of the bunch, Samuel was courageous at the end, and he asked a, a, a seemingly really dumb question. Hey, Jesse, are these really are these all of your sons? Uh, I guess people had a lot of sons back then, or children. Maybe they did forget a few. But I don't, I don't think that he forgot that he had this other son. He just didn't consider him kingly material. It's then that Jesse remembers another son, but even, he's even reluctant to call him because he's just so far off the chart in being, being material to be a king. But Samuel's insistent and he was a prophet and, you know, so he calls him. Our translations don't do justice to the original language. In the NIV, it says he was, he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Now, you might think, oh, that's a pretty good description. Well, it'd be okay if you want to get a gig in Hollywood. But this description is of someone, really, who is tiny and, un- and an unimpressive lad. It's, uh, it's, he's more cute than sort of uber warrior. So no wonder no one called him in. But that's the point of the story, isn't it? You see, we think we know enough. We think we, we understand we think we've got what it takes, <laughs> but we don't. When we think about what to do with our lives and or when we make important decisions, we, we don't actually see all of the factors or we don't even see what lies ahead. And we seldom take account of our own ego or our self-interest or the so- social conditioning that society's placed on us. And so we choose things based on external circumstances where we're actually God chooses and guides from looking at the heart, and also by looking in, by using his insight of what lies ahead and and his own purposes that he wants to fulfil. The thing is, we would all choose Saul and Eliab nine times out of ten instead of David. But the result of doing that can be terrible for our lives, and it would also be terrible for us as a community of Jesus followers who are seeking to follow God on mission in the community in which we live and, uh, and play. Fortunately, Samuel felt a check in his spirit. He discerned God's spirit, tell him that Eliab was not meant to be the next king. And when tiny David appeared, he sensed, against his own judgment, he sensed the Lord say, this is the guy, anoint him. And so Samuel got on. With his job and he anointed him there and there and the rest they say is history so was called actually the people's king whereas david was a man after god's own heart he was not called this because he he never made mistakes he, he made plenty of mistakes terrible mistakes but the thing that god loved about david was he was soft-hearted to the lord his entire life unlike saul And so there's this pattern. There's a pattern in how God works in history and in people's lives. You see, Scripture tells us that there was was nothing physical that attracted people to Jesus either, in the same way that there was nothing physical that attracted people to David. Jesus was not a a mighty uber warrior king, but a suffering servant. But God, in his wisdom, made him. And his death and resurrection actually the turning point of history and it means that and a means by which we can be reconciled to God and transformed. Who would have thought? The reason why the story of Samuel anointing David is so important for us is because it tells us that we're also meant to be people who seek, listen, hear and obey the Lord's voice, and not people who just rely solely on our human wisdom and reasoning and intellect. When you use only your human wisdom and your reasoning and your human intellect, you'll end up choosing people like Eliab and Saul nine times out of ten. And you you only end up with human solutions to situations and problems that actually really need divine answers. So how how can you be a person who listens and hears the voice of the Lord in your life today? To listen and hear the Lord, you need to make some space in your life to be still and quiet. There's really no other way. Not not just by removing yourself from actual noise, but but also from the distractions that are so constant. You see, our attention levels are, are so low. Just think about how many times that you reach for your phone in the day. I want you to think about that this week and try and log it. Because... We just think even a few seconds, a minute, we we have, and we, we try to kill it just by looking at something on, on on our phones. And it's disturbing, isn't it, that we can't sit without the need to be busy all of the time. But we need to be still and quiet at times in our days because God often whispers his intentions to people. And this is not because God has a low voice. He's not like, you know, got got... got uh, Speaking problems it's he speaks in a low voice he 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 because he's telling us things in the context of a relationship. you see God whispers because he wants what what happens when you whisper if, if I say this you see if you whisper to someone, what do they do what they get really close <laughs> and so God whispers because he wants to draw us close so that we are more dependent on him and so that we trust him. Uh, and trust what he's saying to us, because what he can say to us is could be really difficult for us to hear. There are common ways to be listening to God. Reading the Bible uh, or listening to the Bible regularly is one way. That's a very common way. Spending some time each day talking and listening to God and um you know, with the scripture open, is is a is a great way. Connecting those together is a great and powerful way of hearing God speak to you on a regular in a regular basis. But we also need to be open to other ways that God can speak to us, and we need to learn to recognize His voice um, through them, which is what Samuel did, isn't it? Because he learned to be sensitive to the Spirit of God speaking to his own spirit. As I mentioned, God can speak through giving you certain desires for things. And they, these are ways that we can actually explore perhaps uh, ministry options or, or, or path uh, pathways in our life. He can also speak through closing doors or opening doors. You see, these doors can be, um, be in regard to what you should study or the career or even whether to buy or rent a house. You see, doors into certain study or jobs um, or, per, or purchases or plans are, are sometimes actually closed for reasons that are un, unknown to us at the time they can be really frustrating but we should seek to discern what is being said to us by closed doors instead of just blundering on forcing trying to force open those doors a closed doors can a closed door can be a definite no to something it, c- it could also be a not yet god closes doors also to protect us or to redirect us from what is less than his best for us we need to listen not just to the words but also to what god is doing in our lives god can also speak to us through placing people in our lives who speak a word to us in season and god can also as i've said speak through pain none of these are audible voices but we need to become more sensitive to what is happening in our lives and seek to grasp what god might be saying to us in those things Listening to God is something uh, we become more attuned to as the more we actually participate and practice it. But when listening to God and seeking to follow what He says in your life, you also need to test everything that you hear by by two rules. First, does what I hear contradict God's revelation in the Bible? If it does, then you need to stop and you need to reflect uh, on what, what you've heard and seek wise counsel from godly people to understand more about what you're hearing. Second, does what you've heard lead you to experience peace and love and joy? And does it lead you to worshipping God? These are two great tests that I encourage you to apply. Friends, we need to be people who seek to listen and hear the voice of the Lord, but not just individually. It's also important that we do this as a community because it's only as we listen and hear God's voice that we will take the paths that He wants us to take and make the decisions that we need to make in confidence, even decisions that don't add up according to any human index. The Lord desires that we become more attuned to His voice because mission in the 21st century, as it's always been, will be only fruitful when it's Spirit-led. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for... um, for the story of Samuel and Saul and David. Lord, it teaches us so much. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be uh, sensitive people who who become accustomed and attuned to listening to your voice. I pray that you would lead us as a community and individually, individually in our lives, to know the pathways that you want us to go down. Help us to be open to what you want to say to us. Lord, I pray as a community that you would um, that you would speak to us in the days ahead in, in the directions that you want us to follow. May we be attentive. May we be open. We look forward to you speaking to us strongly, Lord. We ask this and pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.